Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. Praise the Lord. Amen. While I find my spot here, I thought I'd tell you something funny I heard today. Um, Colton, where's he at? Little Colton. I don't know where he went, but anyway, it's all right. So uh, my wife and I were talking, and he overheard us, and we were talking in Spanish, and he says, hey, cut it out. I don't understand what you're saying. You you sound really funny. I don't think he knew that uh, we spoke something else aside from English. <laughs> uh, so, but I thought that was really funny. I think today my, my heart, um, I, I kind of struggled with this because it's not youth-led service. And this would have been a perfect message for, <laughs> for youth-led service. Um, but my heart goes out today to our young people. Um, but I don't think that this is a message just for our young people. I feel like this is a message for our parents as well and for everybody in the church. We love our kids, right? We love our youth. We love our children. Um, I remember the first time I went to a, a kids rally. Now, I don't, I'm not emotional. You all know that, right? Uh, I was a wreck the entire time. Uh, <laughs> I think the evangelists are, you okay? These babies are so cute. They're, you know, crying and snotting and feeling the Holy Ghost. And I just couldn't help myself. Same thing in youth. You can ask Brother Brom, senior camp, mess. You know, after the first couple songs, I'm like, I feel like I'm going to cry. And he's like, shocker. <laughs> shocker. He's not shocked, I'll tell you that. <clears throat> but today, I would like to talk to you about about something <clears throat> I guess I titled my remarks uh, it's not over yet amen it was amazing that uh, as I was listening to the songs it was talking about how we overcome by the power of the name of Jesus amen and it was amazing that brother um, that the whole music team started out with let's sing about heaven a little bit um, and we and we started to sing about oh how great that day is going to be. Amen. And so uh, it reminded me of it's not over yet. Amen. We're not to heaven yet. Uh, but we're on our way to heaven. Amen. So we're going to go to uh, Isaiah 51. And I'm going to just read a couple verses. Um, let's start at verse uh, 9. <clears throat> Awake. Awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake, as in the ancient days and the generations of old. Art thou not it that had cut Rahab and wounded the dragon? Art thou not it which hath dried the sea? The waters of the great deep that had made the depths of the sea, uh, that had made the depths of the sea a way for the ransom to pass over. Verse 11 says, Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy, sorrow and mourning 
shall flee away. That sounds like a pretty good deal. Amen. Verse 12 says this. God speaks and he says, I, even I, am he that comforteth you. Aren't you glad we have a comforter? Amen. Amen. It says, Who art thou that thou shouldest be afraid of a man that shall die, and of a son of man which shall be made as grass? And forgettest the Lord thy maker, that hath stretched forth the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. He's a great God. Somebody say amen. Amen. And has feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor, as if he were ready to destroy. And where is the fury of the oppressor? Skipping down to verse 5, he finished it off and he says, But I am the Lord thy God. Amen. That divided the sea whose waves roared. The Lord of hosts is his name. Amen. Would you pray for me? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you, God, for tonight. We ask you, Lord, to just speak to us today. Lord, change us. Make us different, Lord. Just just meet us in our situation, God. Help us, God, to just understand your power one more time, Lord. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray, Lord. Amen. So, in Isaiah 51, I I saw this verse a long time ago, and and I just kind of put it away, you know. Uh, Brother Brown was telling me that that's how kind of how he does things, you know, when when God kind of speaks to you, and He gives you a verse, or gives you a thought, and you kind of store it away, and then later on you go back and you build it. Here, the problem with that is that God only gives you a verse or He gives you a thought, and you got to do the rest, right? <laughs> so I struggled. I'm like, God, I'm not very smart. You're gonna have to give me everything. And so this is what I got. We're gonna take a stab at it. So verse nine, it says. It's basically a prayer that the prophet Isaiah is lifting up to God. A commentator that I read said, It's as if the passage, in the passage, the nation of Israel is speaking to God and is saying, Awake, awake, right? It's, it's saying to God, Be stirred. And it's telling God to wake up and to do something about the situation that they were in. They continue and they say, O arm of the Lord, awake. What are they saying? He's saying, show your strength, God. Show what you can do. Show your power. I heard this. Throw your weight around. Come on, God. Help us. We need you one more time. So it's a prayer for God to do something in their situation. And some people think that this chapter is designed to comfort the captives in Babylon. Because if you look back at history, the people of Israel were captive in Babylon. They were away from home. Another commentator said, this chapter is designed for the comfort and encouragement of those that fear God and keep His commandments, even when they walk in darkness and have no light. Amen. The people of Israel were a nation At this time, we're facing exile and and captivity in a strange land by their oppressors, the Babylonians. They were walking in dangerous and dark times. They most likely, I mean, think about it. They most likely had been carried away and they have no home. Everything that they ever had was left 
back home in a destroyed city, a destroyed land, and now they're going to somewhere where they don't know the language, where they don't know the culture, where they don't know anything. They're being carried away. The Babylonian captivity must have been hard for Israel. Just imagine as they come in and destroy the cities and they... They, they take their children captive. They see death in the streets. They see their enemies destroy everything they ever loved. They see destruction everywhere they see. And, and the loss of everything that they've ever held dear. This is not a good picture. So it's no wonder that the people of Israel say, and Isaiah pens the words, Awake, awake, put on strength. O arm of the Lord, awake. They're trying to get God to do something. They're crying out to God and, and they're saying, come on, God, do it again. You did it before. Will you not come and save us one more time? And they say to him, awake as if he ever slumbered, right? One of my, young, uh, one of my uh, Sunday school classes, I asked them what God did on the seventh day. And he responded in his simple way. He said, well, he took a nap. But we adults know that God doesn't take naps. He doesn't go asleep. He doesn't slumber. The Bible says that he who keepeth Israel neither slumbereth nor sleepeth. Right? He doesn't sleep. He knows where we're at. In the middle of the night, he's there with us. Amen? So Israel is crying out to, them in to him in desperation saying, awake God, help us. And then they continue and they say to him, Awake as in the ancient days. They begin to remember what he did of old. Right? They begin to remember the salvation that he had brought to them before. They begin to remember what he was able to do back then. They're in a situation where it's rough, it's tough. And they ask God to awake and then they start. To reminisce. And they start to remember his power. They ask God a question. They say, uh, um, Art thou not it that hath cut Rahab and wounded the dragon? They come to God in their prayer and they say, Aren't you the one that, that cut Rahab? That, that uh, hurt the dragon? Now, all, what that means is, in English is it's talking about Egypt. It's talking about Pharaoh. It's, if you keep reading, it, Rahab is a poetic name for Egypt. It means pride, right? They were in bondage to a prideful nation that kept them, kept them enslaved for 400 and some years. Amen. They mistreated them. The dragon in Psalm 74, it compares Pharaoh with the dragon in Leviathan. It's a, it's a type of God's enemy. They call to remembrance the parting of the Red Sea. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen. When God parted the waves and the waters for his ransomed people to pass over. Think about it. He took an entire nation from one day to the next. And he made a way for them to escape. Amen. That is a powerful God. Amen. Just to think about it makes me tear up. 
that He is that powerful and we can call Him our God. Amen. We call Him Jesus now. Amen. Back then they called Him the great I Am, Jehovah. They called Him all sorts of names and we call Him Jesus. And we are privileged to carry Him here. Amen. We are privileged to bear His name. Amen. We are privileged to carry His name everywhere we go. And that is a beautiful thing. So the people of Israel begin to remember when God brought the ten plagues upon, Is- upon Egypt and how Pharaoh would not let his people go. They begin to remember all the ten plagues that God be- uh, uh, brought to-, to Egypt and how God began to destroy Egypt. Every plague was against, um, was against some scholars think, against each of the Egypt's gods. God was saying, I can destroy everything that you ever believed in. He's saying, I am more powerful. I am more great than anything that you could ever throw against me. So he doesn't only deliver his people, but he makes sure that the enemy knows who he is. Amen. That is the type of God that we have. So we know the story. They begin to remember how he, how he cuts Egypt. Basically how he wounds Egypt and how he wounds Pharaoh. And he takes everything. He destroys the empire of Egypt. See, and the people of Israel didn't have to fight. God fought for them. Exodus 14, Moses tell, tells his people. I didn't give this to Sister Jalo. That's fine. Exodus 14, God says to Moses, and Moses says to the people, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He says, you're not going to have to fight. You're not going to have to lift a sword. You're not going to have to do anything on your own accord. I'm going to fight for you. I've come to tell somebody that it's not over yet. Amen. We're not done yet. The book tells us we win. Amen. In the end, he wins. But we're not there yet. So the people of Israel begin to remember. And in verse 10, they continue to ask God, Art thou not it which hath dried the sea, the waters of the great deep, that hath made the depths of the sea a way for the ransomed to pass over? We all know the story. Egypt was a place where Israel was enslaved. Pharaoh didn't want to let God's people go. Right? Tell old Pharaoh, let my people go. And he didn't want to do it. In their present situation, in captivity, slaves to a foreign country, they must have remembered the story of Israel in Egypt's land. This story was starting to look very familiar, right? They're no longer in Egypt. They're in Babylon. They're no longer uh, back in, in Egypt. They are slaves and captives in Babylon. So they must have remembered the obstacles that they faced when they were in Egypt. Amen. I was reading about the Red Sea, that, that part where it says dried the sea, the waters of the great deep. I was reading that and somebody was trying to disprove that God could do that. But we know better than that, right? This was their excuse. They said, well, the waters of this sea was only knee, knee high. I don't know if you ever heard this about knee high. So it really wasn't that big of a deal. Well, the Bible tells us in Egypt, I mean, in, in Exodus, that 
all of Pharaoh's army was drowned in the sea. So that's even a greater miracle is what I thought. If God drowned the entire army of Israel in that much water, they were pretty bad swimmers if you ask me. So stubborn Pharaoh nine times would not let his people go. That was their first obstacle. Once he agreed to let him go, the wilderness that they traveled in entangled and shut them in. Exodus says that Pharaoh uh, told his servants, we should go after them because the wilderness has shut them in. They were surrounded by desert, by wilderness. The great Red Sea, it was an impassable barrier. They couldn't get to safety. They couldn't get to the other side because there was water, a big sea in front of them. Amen? Unmovable sea. And they didn't have no bridge to help them cross. And if, if that's not enough, the Bible says that Pharaoh got upset and he came full speed behind them and he chased them. To the point where they had the sea in front of them, Sister Crane. They had the wilderness that, that just completely encircled them. And then, if that's not it, here comes Pharaoh with his, all his army right behind him. And they are closed in. They have all of these things that are against them. And while they remember this, they tell God, you did it before. Why can't you do it now? Right? In Isaiah 51, they're saying, remember what you did, God. Why don't you just maybe do something like that right now? They're remembering the journey their ancestors took from slavery to Egypt. Uh, in Egypt to the promised land. Amen. Amen. To Canaan land. A land that flowed with milk and honey. Yeah, it was a great land, right? See, God made a promise to them, but they still had to go through all of this trouble to get there, right? But God was going to make a way because it's not over yet. Amen. So they remembered this and, and then they remember how great things God did for them, hoping that he would just do it one more time. Verse 11 says, therefore, there, it, it, it switches Right? It switches from this, from, uh, um, this prayer and, and, and it says, if you do this, therefore, basically, Isaiah says, knowing all of his track record, knowing all that God has ever done, knowing that, God, that we are God's people, his redeemed, that they shall be delivered, that he did it before. He, he, we know that joy is coming again. That God is going to show up in our situation. And that things will get better. That's why he says the redeemed of the Lord shall return. Right? And come singing unto Zion. We know that he's parted the Red Sea before. We know that he's taken care of our enemies before. We know that he's going to do it again. And everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. They, they're saying to God, if you did it before, you can do it again. They're saying to God, and if you do this, then we can be happy. Therefore, right? Therefore, we know that you've done this before. So this is 
going to come to pass. Amen? So what do I mean by all of this? The other day, I was listening. We were all listening to Brother Kilman talk. He did a great job. Amen? Amen? And he always does a great job. I always like listening to him. Um, and, and he was talking about Romans 1. And, and he re- it really, really hit home to where I was when I, when I first read this verse. And it hit me. Okay? This is, this is months ago. Uh, probably like a year ago. <laughs> um, so I was listening to him and, and, and talking about Romans 1. And it really, it really spoke to this. He talked, I don't know if you remember, about the idolatry of this world. That we don't have to go to third world countries and, and see the idolatry, you know, like idols and people bowing down to them and all that stuff. We can see idolatry in America. And he said that the, reason, the way that we see that is, is idolatry with, their, with people's ideas and concepts, right? They, their, their ideas, their thoughts become their God. That's society, right? That's what he's talking about. Uh, we don't have to see physical idol worship like in other countries. But we have idolatry of ideas and concepts. So if we go to, uh, this is what we deal with nowadays, right? If you go out, uh, just work a job, I mean, you see it all over. If you go to Walmart, you see it all over. You go to school, you see it all over. So Romans 1 and 24 says this. I'm just going to read it. I'm not going to talk too much about it. It says, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness, to the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and to worship and serve creatures more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause gave them up, uh, God gave them up to vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into what, uh, which is against nature, and likewise also the men, leaving their natural use of a woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly in receiving themselves that recompense of error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God. See, that's, that's the issue. They don't want to retain. They don't want to keep Him in, right? They want to ignore Him. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. To do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness. And this is the part that made me sad. That just kind of hit my heart. Unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure and them that do that. What am I saying there? Simple. It's, it starts with, I'm smarter than God. And it leads to all of this destruction. It leads to all of this just horrible things. Idolatry, it's a type of idolatry that leads to worse unrighteousness. It's a mindset that does away with God. It makes its own ideas God. That's the type of world 
that, that, that we live in, it's influenced by this, that we're smarter than God. But the church knows better than that. Amen? It's, it purposely disregards God and what we know is true. Right? It says, it's, there, it says this to, to us. There is no truth. Truth is, is, doesn't exist. It's relative, right? It, it's whatever I make it to be. But the Bible doesn't say that. Amen? The Bible says that He is the truth. And that there is only one way, right? That we must be born again. What does it say? One Lord, one faith, one baptism. It doesn't say two. It doesn't say three or maybe a whole bunch. It says one. Amen. So we know that there is truth. We know that this idea that, that the world has is completely wrong. And I, and I was troubled by this. When I saw this verse, it spoke to me. I was troubled by this as just doing youth work and seeing all the stuff that our young people have to face, all the stuff that our young people and even our adults have to, have to face and come against it. it, it it's, it's hard sometimes to, to, maybe for me, to kind of just think the positive side, right? It's not over yet. <laughs> Sometimes I, I got a little bogged down, and, and Brother Mooney put it this way, it's as if we are going into gross darkness. Amen. It's a, it's a horrible thing. I've seen it creep its way into our schools, our jobs, our cities, our families, right? Everybody know what I'm talking about? The de-Christianization of America, de-Christianization of our schools and our institutions, our schools teach so many things that are not biblical and they're actually against our biblical beliefs amen but I want to remind you today that it's not over yet amen I remember being in school this is 2012-2013 I'm getting who said that <laughs> don't I got the mic so I remember being in school and, and learning about the different clubs that we had. And I'm just, I'm just going to kind of be myself for a little bit. Um, I remember that it shocked me. They said to me, we have a Wiccan club. And some of my own friends or people that I went to school with went there. And I asked, so what do they do? They do their, their magic, their spells, their all that stuff in our own school. That was shocking. That was sad Amen. to me. When I, I remember when I was in history class, uh, and this was 10 years ago, so you can just imagine it's probably worse. Uh, I remember when I was in, in school, we were in history class. They taught about Muhammad and Islam about probably an entire day. And then we got to Jesus. <laughs> we watched a five-minute clip, and then they moved on. <laughs> I, I was like, this is, this is what the school will give us, right? There, and then, I, uh, you know, me just looking at everything, sitting, sitting at work and, and having to deal with the legalization of certain substances and, and seeing all of our young people have to go into this world with all of this mess, Sometimes it got to me, right? 
I read this, this survey by Barna. It says 59% of young people who grew up in Christian homes end up walking away. Now that really hurt. Amen? Amen. But this is not over yet. Amen? There is hope. There's a survey that says in a youth group of 25, uh, it's a, a youth ministry survey, so it's pretty accurate. It's a, a few years ago. Youth group of 25 kids, 18 of those students struggle with anxiety. And 12 struggles with depression. Not to mention the struggles with addiction, media, gender, self-image, and many other things that our young people face nowadays. The rise of atheistic thinking challenges our very beliefs. And they're coming at our children. And, and at some, some writer put it like this, the church sees her case bad, her, few enem uh, her enemies many and mighty, her friends few and feeble, and therefore she depends, this is what I, I need you to understand, therefore she depends purely upon the strength of God's arm to, for further relief. He's the only one that's going to be able to help us. Amen. It's not over yet. And so I was thinking about all of this stuff and I was beginning to be worried and overwhelmed. And I felt all of these things are against us. Amen. All of these things are against us. The wilderness has enclosed us. The sea is in front of us. And it seems like we cannot pass over. Amen. It seems like Pharaoh's army is pursuing us as if we have no way out. We're surrounded on all sides. But I come to tell somebody that it's not over yet. Amen. The church is still going to pray. God can still open up the Red Sea. Amen. He can still deal with Pharaoh. He is still able to help our children. He's still able to answer our prayers. I wish somebody helped me right now. God still answers his people. He hasn't lost no power. His arm is still strong. Amen. He's still got power to do the impossible. He's still in the miracle working business. Amen. They're, they, he hasn't diminished. He's not asleep. He's still sitting on the throne. Somebody help me now. Thank you, Jesus. No matter what this world throws against us, this church was born in the fire. Amen. A little fire ain't going to do us no wrong. Amen. We were born in it. The gates of hell shall not prevail. Amen. He's still God. He was sitting on the throne at the beginning in Genesis. And when Revelation ends, he's still going to be sitting on the throne. Amen. Nobody's going to bump him off. So we go back to Isaiah 51, verse 12. It's as if God answers the prayer of the people. Remember the prayer is, help us God. You did it before, you can do it again. All that stuff. And they're saying to God, wake up. Help us. And God answers the people in verse 12. And he says, I, even I, am he that comforteth you. Instead of taking away the problem, he says, I'm just going to comfort you through the problem. 
Amen. To me, I, I thought about this, and I, I even talked to Brother Brahma. I'm like, am I thinking this straight? Like, the people are asking God to deliver them, are asking God to just take everything, and he's able to do that, right? But he chooses to let them go through it and be their comfort. It's kind of like us, right? Is it wise for us to ask God to make the world be like the church? You know, like, that's a good prayer, right? God can do the impossible, right? That is impossible. But a good, good thing that he, he's a God of the impossible. But I began to think, is that really a prayer that, that is going to be as effective? I'm not saying that God can't do it. Don't, don't misunderstand me. God can do it. But, but there's this one thing that stands in the way. And it's called will. And if the world doesn't want anything to do with God, God's going to let it be the world. So it is better for me to ask God, help me, God, to keep my eyes on you. Help me to keep being who I need to be so that this world can taste and see. Amen? Instead of me asking, God, make them like me. Um, God can do anything, but I think it's more effective for us to continue. Amen? Amen. And for people to see what God is able to do. So let's pray that instead. So his people are captive, right? They've been destroyed. They've been persecuted. They're crying out to him. And surely we know that his track record, he, he's going to show up and he's going to save the day, right? He is my, here, here's what he says. Instead of just taking away the Babylonians and bringing you back to Israel, he said, here is my comfort. Keep your eyes on me. Don't forget my power. Don't forget what I'm able to do. Don't forget my name. Don't forget who I am. He says, I, even I, am he that comforteth you. Who art thou that thou shouldest be afraid of man that shall die and of the son of man that shall be made as grass? And watch this. It forgetteth the Lord thy maker. That hath stretched forth the heavens. He's not just any God. He's the one who made the heavens and the earth. Amen. There's nothing impossible for him. Everything that ever was and is. Is made because of who he is. Amen. It's made by his power. J John 1 says that in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And everything was made by him. See he was before time. He made time. He's, he's not confined by time. He's all power all-knowing he's a God that we serve that his name is Jesus he says to them keep your eyes on me Israel came out of Egypt's land but not without first seeing what God could do for them. Amen. The might of our God. And on the other side. See God let them go through that. So that on the other side they could have a song. Amen. I don't know about you. But I want a song. He's done something for me. He's been good to me. Exodus 15 and 1 says. Then sang Moses. After all the slavery. After all the things that they went through, after Pharaoh being so mean and Pharaoh saying no, and all the plagues and all the suffering that they had to go through, after all, then it says, Then sang Moses, and the children of Israel 
this song unto the Lord. They wouldn't have had this song if they wouldn't have gone through what they went through. Amen? If the deliverance wouldn't have happened, they wouldn't have had a song. But God, in all his wisdom, let them go through it and said, I am going to be your strength. I am going to be your deliverer. I am going to be the one that you can trust. Amen? Matthew 10, 28. Jesus talks to us about why should we fear mortal men. He says, talking to his disciples, Jesus tells them, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. We don't have to fear this world. They might be, have more degrees than we have, and we might just be looking dumb in front of them. Because they have all of these things that, that they think they're all smarter than us. And that, you know, that's, that's completely fine. I'd rather be on the side of truth. Amen? We don't have to be intimidated. We don't have to be scared. So many times in school I was questioned, why do you even believe that? Why do you, why, why do you even believe that old book? Is it even reliable? It's been translated so many times. It doesn't do you any good to live that way you're so close-minded you know what I think I'll keep my Bible I think I'll keep walking the right way I think I'll keep believing in his name amen he knows what's best we can't forget who's greatest it's not the world who's greatest it's not the wisdom of man but it's God's wisdom amen they didn't deliver me uh, they didn't save me. Amen. They didn't wash away my sins. Jesus did. Amen. When I was out in, in depression and I had nothing to live for and I was all suicidal, they didn't come and pick me up. Jesus did. Amen. I wish somebody remember that. Young people, next time, next time somebody says to you, why do you do this? Why do you do that? Why do you believe like this? And they try to belittle you and they try to, to, to just make fun of you. You just remember, you weren't there. You don't know what he did for me. Amen. You don't know what he did for my pastor, for Brother Brom, for Brother Christian, for Sister Lear. You don't know what he did. We got to remember who's greater. The Apostle John Pence this truth that we must never forget as his church. Ye are of God. Anybody of God? Anybody have his name written on? What a day that's going to be when we walk into heaven. Amen. When he calls my name, woo, that's going to be good. Ye are of God, little children. And have overcome them. Because greater, somebody help me, is he that is where? Where? He's into than he that is in the world. So it's as God says in Isaiah 51 where is the fury of the oppressor? You know, we think everything looks so bad. We think everything looks so dark. The clouds have surrounded the things. You know, we're surrounded by the Pharaoh's army. We're, we're, we're locked in, you could say, with all life of situations. And we don't see no, no way out. And God, you know, it's kind of funny. We, we, we don't find a way out. And God's like, what's the problem? 
It always got me when people would say he sees the end from the beginning. I'm like, how does that work? Easy. He already knows how it's going to go down. So he doesn't worry about how it's going to happen. And we can't, see, we can't do that. <laughs> we can't do that because we don't know the future, right? We know that we win in the end. We know some of that, right? So we can walk in confidence and know that he's going to win in the end. Amen. That we're going to see him one of these days, right? That we're going to walk the streets of gold. Amen. That we're going to be up there with him. We know that so we can walk in confidence. But, uh, but the people of Israel didn't see the outcome. They didn't see the, the, the last part. So it's like God is saying, what, what's the big deal here? He says, uh, you have feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor, as if you were ready to destroy. And where is the fury? Where is all of these things that are against it? What's the big deal? At some point in their trouble, this is what they did. They misplaced their sight. They focused and they zeroed in on the problem instead of the one who could bring the solution, who is the solution. Amen? And if we're not careful, and I could say this to myself, we will be in that same place where we take our eyes off of Him and we'll feel the pressure and we'll feel like we got to fix everything. But you know what? It's not for you to fix it's for God to fix. Amen. Only He can do it. All of these problems that we mentioned before, only God is able to do it. Amen. We just got to continue to walk. Continue to be faithful. It's not over yet. Amen. Somebody help me. It's not over yet. Amen. So Peter, you all know Peter, right? I was reading this, this uh, devotional. That I thought was really nice. So I'm going to just read you a part of it. And I'm almost done. I don't know if, if music wants to come. It, it, it says this. It's the storm that seized Peter's mind. Moment after he flattened the soles of his feet to the sea. How easy it is to get distracted by the wind and the waves in our lives. Rather than focus on the voice who calms the storm. We all know that it's incredibly difficult to muster up faith during the most trying moments of our lives. But perhaps I'm here to share with you that no mustering needs to, place, to take place but just a gaze at the master. Imagine Peter looking, locking eyes with, with Jesus. You know, the storm's going on. The waves are huge. And there's thunder and there's all this stuff that, that is kind of trying to distract him. But he locks his eyes with Jesus. And imagine him seeing all of this that troubled him. And the Son of God says to him, come, Peter. See, it's that type of faith, right? Everything around me is crazy. But yet he said, come. So I'm going to go. But see, the problem, you know... You know, he puts his leg over. He's doing good. He continues to walk. The Bible doesn't say how far he walks. But the problem happened when he lost sight of Jesus. And I think that's the issue we're talking about today. We ought to not lose sight of him. Verse 15 in Isaiah 51. We'll end here. 
But I am the Lord, thy God, that divided the seas, whose waves roared, the Lord of hosts in his name. In the end, the final word belongs to our king, the king of kings. He has the last say. It doesn't matter what your situation looks like. It doesn't matter the obstacles that come against our kids. I'm trusting on his word. Faith needs to be placed correctly. Let me not forget the power of my maker. I should not fear man. If God be for me, the Bible says, who can be against me? He, he's the one who gives me the joy and happiness. Have you ever heard that song? He gave me, uh, how does that go? Something about the joy. He gave it to me. The world can't take it away. It's because he's the source of my joy. Amen. He's the source of my peace, not this world. This world can show me it's evil and try to persuade me. It can display its trophies of the people that used to walk with God yet walk with him no more because they were enticed by this world. It could do all of that, but it's got to get through this faith in Jesus. This faith that says, I understand that all of these people fail. I understand that the statistics say that all of these kids are going to fall away or all of this stuff is going to be against our children, against our, our, our existence, basically against our church. I understand that, but this faith that he's given me is more powerful than that. We don't have to be statistics. We don't have to listen to what the world has to say. We got to listen to what this book has to say. I will not fear for our kids' future. This is what I, what I realized when I was troubled and everything. And I read this verse and it made so much sense. I will not fear for our kids' future. Instead, I choose to pray. And I choose to trust God that he's going to open up their Red Seas. Amen. That he's going to slay Goliath. That he's going to destroy their pharaohs. That is going to lead them to the promised land. Amen. He did it for us. He can do it for them. Amen. He did it for Israel. He's going to do it for his church. Because it's not over yet. And as I open up these altars. Young people I want you to, to think about this. Our elders. Don't you think that they never wondered. Don't you think that they never questioned when they saw the darkness around them, when they saw the impossibilities? Don't you think that they didn't, they didn't have doubts, that they didn't think that they weren't going to make it? But also remember their faith. Remember the example of, of their faith that they stood their ground. They said they did it. He did it before. He's going to do it again. And guess what? They're still standing right now. So see, if God can do it for Sister Lear, if God can do it for all of my elders, God's going to do it for me. God's going to do it for you. But you got to keep your eyes on him. 
You got to keep your gaze on Jesus. I'm not just talking to young people. I'm talking to parents. Let's pray for our children. Let's trust God. He's going to keep them. Let's, let's trust God that he's going to open up their Red Seas. He's going to help them. want anybody who wants to come to come this altar call is let's put our eyes on him one more time maybe you got some thank you for listening to our podcast this week we hope you enjoyed this message remember if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.